Good evening. My name is Liz Gray, and I'm the senior pastor here at Incarnation, and I'm so delighted to be worshipping with you here this evening. We started, gosh, we started two weeks ago with our series, uh, on, uh, which we're calling Walking with Jesus, as we look at the Gospel of Mark. And two weeks ago, we were looking at the baptism, when, when Jesus very deliberately said that he wanted to be obedient to his Father, and therefore chose to go to be baptized in the River Jordan by John. And in that act, he was submitting to the will of the Father. And we heard about how God rips open the heaven and blesses him. And so begins Jesus' ministry. But the next, the first thing he does after being baptized is he's taken into the desert. And Morgan helped us last week to remember that places of times in the desert are what set us up often for ministry. And that they're not things to be ashamed of, but things to look on as places of learning and instruction. Adversity shapes us. And then this week, we're going to see the story as Jesus, for the first time, goes and calls others to follow him. So please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Christ. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were in the boats mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please have a seat. Okay, take a moment. Take a moment and just step into that scene. It's kind of hard to do because you're in a, going into a desert. If you remember what it was, it's like without rain, that's, that's different. <laughs> without that sense of humidity in the air. But take a deep breath and breathe in the slightly salty air coming off the lake. Feel the slight breeze pricking, picking up in the late afternoon, the dryness. And then take a moment to look around. Perhaps you can see the boats lined up. Most people have brought their boats in at this time of day, and they're beginning to sit and mend their nets. And there's still a few people out in the lake fishing. Imagine you're in that scene. Perhaps you could put yourself in a particular role that appeals to you. Maybe you could be one of the hired servants or, or somebody else who's just standing by. And then you see Jesus walking across the beach deliberately towards the boats. Your interest is kind of piqued. Maybe you know or have heard something about him. And what we're going to do for the next few minutes is first of all look at Jesus as he comes across. Then we're going to look at those fishermen and the call that Jesus extends to them. And then think about how that applies to us, how Jesus' call matters to us here in 22204, where it rains all the time. First of all, have a look at Jesus. What are the things that you notice about him? What really struck me as I've been soaking in this passage this week is his confidence. He just walks straight up to them. He's very uncomplicated. 
He doesn't sell them a pitch. He doesn't kind of say, well, this is likely to work out, so come with me, and this is how much I'm going to pay you, and these are your benefits. Um, none of that. He doesn't give them any sense of, well, if it doesn't work out, you can come back to the boats. He, he doesn't do anything which we would kind of expect somebody asking somebody else to go with them to do. He's very, very simple and straightforward, uncomplicated, comp confident. I love the fact that he doesn't make false promises. I also like that he speaks their language. He calls them to be fishers of men, and this is something that they would understand. The one thing that these guys really knew about was fishing. And he goes right to where they are. Later on, he will talk about farmers and fields and, and different kinds of analogies. But here, he talks to the fishermen, and he talks to them about fishing. And Jesus is quite clear as he speaks to them. He gives them a choice. He just says, follow me. And then they can say, well, they're going to either follow him or not. That's the, he leaves it very much in their court. And as we look at those fishermen, there's a couple of things or a few things I want to notice about them. First of all, he does not call them because they are either smart or perfect or more popular than anybody else. First of all, the smartness thing. He doesn't call them because he wants them to be smart. He calls them to follow him. He, at this point, isn't calling them to lead anything. They just have to come with him. They have to come with him into the next three years and be taught by him. They have to come and watch him engaging with different people, with Pharisees and Sadducees, arguing with the religious folk. They have to come with him as he heals the sick, as he comforts the afflicted, as he speaks words of hope. Jesus does not call these chaps because they're smarter than anybody else. And this is a huge reassurance to us as well. He's not calling us for our innate abilities. He's calling us because we're willing to follow. Jesus doesn't call them because they're perfect. They haven't got everything sorted out. One of the key things that I love about Jesus is the fact that he calls us into relationship first. And then he offers forgiveness. There's always the way that he walks forward with people saying, come with me. And we read that in the psalm earlier. Thank you, Anna, for reading that. When he says, talk, the psalmist said, talked about his rebellious ways, the sins of his youth, his affliction and distress, the troubles of his heart, his enemies. The psalmist was very realistic about who he was as he then turns to God, to Yahweh. And he says, no one who's hoping you will ever be put to shame. The wonderful thing about Jesus is that he does not come and expect us to step into shame. He deals with our shame straight away. But what he's looking for is a relationship with us. So he doesn't call us because we've got things sorted. He calls us because he knows that he can offer forgiveness, that he can offer an end to shame. So that Jesus doesn't call those fishermen just like he doesn't call us because we're either smart or perfect. And he also didn't call them because they had status or popularity or were famous. They were fishermen. I mean, they're pretty much bottom of the rung. And our reading from James that David read us reminds us that God does not look to see if we are comfortable or wealthy or securely attached James says, God chose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. 
Jesus comes and he calls people in a completely upside down way and he turns things around. He doesn't come and look for the famous or successful in order to make his mission be more successful. He comes to the people who are at the bottom and he raises them up and he teaches them. So God doesn't call, Jesus doesn't call people because they're smart or perfect or well-connected. He calls them because they'll follow him. And he calls them because he loves them. And he calls us because he loves us. And I love it that all the way through the liturgy, every week actually that comes as one of the key themes that we address every single week. And the consistent liturgy of every single week is to say that we love, God loves us and we come because we want to love him more. So Jesus comes and he offers to invite us to follow him to get forgiveness from him and to be freed from all the things which make us downtrodden or broken. So this week, I, as we look at ourselves, I spend a little bit of time thinking myself about what, what is it that I really love about Jesus and what could I say to somebody else about the way that I love Jesus? So I sent out an email to a few of my friends and some of you are scattered in here and I said, okay, what do you love about Jesus? I got a lot of responses Uh, The first one to ping back almost instantly was, I love to be loved by Jesus. And then this particular person went on and said, there is a fundamental gut-level goodness about being loved first. And that is the risk Jesus absorbs by loving us. Loving me and my sinful, grumpy, don't-have-the-whole-picture places. I love the disarming, nurturing, pervasive, effervescent love of a saviour that lavishly loves, not out of deserving, but out of his perfectly loved pace as the firstborn over all creation. She went on to talk about the way that the Trinity, there's love within the Trinity. Some other responses were, Jesus delights in me. And that's extraordinary, mind-blowing. I love his accessible holiness and a friend who is closer than a brother. Others said his tenderness, his compassion, his love and grace in times of both ease and need. I just love him that he loves me so well and still is completely available to me. I love that he is kind, that he looks on my anxieties and questions with compassion and not shame because he's gentle. And then a few people responded about his authority because he's creator, king of kings, lord of lords, and he'll never leave me or go, let go no matter what. And finally, I love that Jesus is a trustworthy ruler in a world where individuals in positions of power, political parties, and ideologies of different kinds fail us. I love that Jesus doesn't. My suspicion is is that if you are here, you probably either already know and love Jesus a little, or you're curious about him. Why do people follow Jesus? What is it that makes it worth getting up in the morning and saying, I am a Christian? Well, I'm going to give you like five seconds now to just think, what was your response to that question? Why do you love Jesus? Or what are you curious about him? What are the things that you'd like answers for? Five seconds only. You can write it down. It's kind of fun to do. I invite you to this evening or when you get home to take a moment and just expand on that. I spent a whole well, a number of hours earlier this week just writing down. And once I got going, it was like you could just not stop because there were so many things which I wanted to say about the way that I love Jesus. 
And really that's one of the main reasons why we've planted this little church in this neighborhood, because we want to be able to say to other people, we love Jesus and he loves you. Would you like to follow him? Ultimately, that is always our hope, is that there'll be an opportunity to share that news with somebody else. And so this fall, we're doing these common tables. And we're saying, will you invite somebody to your table, your neighbors, your friends? Not with a view of punching them with the gospel, but with a view of getting to know them, asking them, who do you follow? We all follow somebody. Who do you follow? What's important to you in your life? We're encouraging each other to get to know our neighbors and to begin to know what drives them, what motivates them, to form friendships with them. And of course, we also hope that there will come a point where they say, and who do you follow? And what is it that you love about him? Why does it make a difference to your life? And so I encourage you, if you haven't yet signed up to be part of a common table, sign up to be part of the ones that are already planned. Or find a way to invite neighbors to your house anyway. Or take a neighbor to somebody else's common, common table. Then you don't have to cook. So it makes, it's a win-win. But take time this fall to be thinking about why you love Jesus and who you could share that news with. Practice. Perhaps over popcorn afterwards, you could take a moment to say to somebody, okay, what do you write down? What's your answer to that? How do you, how, how do you express the way that you feel about Jesus or what Jesus' call means in your life? And remember that picture of Jesus right at the beginning, coming across the beach. Remember that he comes with confidence, without apology, without actually much explanation. But he invites, and he invited those fishermen, those four not very smart, not very well-connected fishermen, to follow him, as he invites us to follow him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the love that you extended by sending Jesus to walk on this earth. We thank you for the incarnation. We thank you that you became somebody who could be touched and followed in a very tactile way. Lord, I thank you that you call us, and you don't call us because we're smart or well-connected or perfect. You call us because you love us. And as you love us, Help us to learn to love you more and more. Help us to pay attention to the ways that you show us that you love us, the journeys you take us on, and help us to be faithful, to keep right behind you, following along, even wherever it goes, through adversity, through quiet, through danger, through delight, through beauty. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our leader and our guide. Amen.